Welcome into Up in the Raptors, a podcast brought to you this basketball season by our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this year I'm joined by a national champion, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, and a Carolina basketball legend, the ACC Network's Joel Berry. It is great to see you. I've got one place and one place only to start today's podcast after what transpired in the Miami-North Carolina game with Carolina coming out on top. I want the haters to capitulate, so I have a dramatic reading for you. (laughs) Let me hear it. Preseason, first team, all ACC. Oh, Phil Kowski, Armando Baycott, P.J. Hall, Reese Beekman, Norchad O'Meer. Preseason second team, all ACC. Judah Mintz, Nigel Pack, Blake Hinson, Tyrese Proctor, Quentin Post. And I'm looking at these names after today. And it feels like it feels like there's one, one very obvious one missing. Yeah, somebody missing. <laughs> Somebody's missing. You know what? I, I feel I feel bad, and I've admitted this over and over again. Um, I I left I left RJ out as well. Um, wow. Yeah, that's um, I made a wrong decision. You know, sometimes in your life you just make you know you make bad decisions, and the best thing to do is just own up to it. And I made the decision, so I want to be I want to be not I'm not the first. I'm with a lot of people, I want to apologize because <laughs> what happened last night was considered a show. Um, and I think that solidified RJ Davis as the ACC player of the year um, and should be in the conversation if he's not, but I know he is for national player of the year. Um, yeah. That performance last night was fantastic. Yeah. And I'll have more on the national player of the year. But, yeah, R.J. Davis, man, it's, it's time for people to start putting some respect on his name, the king of New York. And I, I, I saw something happen on social media after the Wake Forest game where Wake Forest beats Duke. You had people in, in the local media in the triangle say, you know what? You know, maybe, maybe Hunter Salas could still win this award. Well, if there was ever – uh, even a sliver of a doubt Monday night, we got the Vince Carter. It, it, it's over. <laughs> yeah, After it. the it's over. <laughs> it's over. RJ Davis drops 42 points in UNC's win 14 of 22 from the field, seven of 11 from deep, a new Dean dome points record. What was going through your mind when you're watching that performance? Well, I thought like, you know, there's like a 42 point performance or like a performance like this where it's like, wow, like this dude has taken all the shots. Like you can tell the person has 42 points. It was one of those performances that was just like, um, like, like beauty be- just because it was, it was flowing. He wasn't shooting these outrageously crazy shots. 
He wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. It was just within what they do on the offensive end and what he's been doing all year long. You know, there weren't any, like, uh, you know, shots that you're like, okay, he hasn't been doing that all year. Where does that come from? No, these are the shots that he's been taking all year long. And I thought that was the most impressive thing was the fact that he did it within the system. He did it within the offense. And obviously you got to a point where you were like, if you were really watching the game, you were like, hold on, this dude, (laughs) he's scoring basket after basket. How many points does he have? Hold on, let me look at the app. It was that type of performance. Um, So that's what I was most impressed about was just being able to do it effortlessly um, and not and do it so efficiently. You started doing the math in your head. And I remember at one of the TV timeouts, I think they were talking about the Dean Dome record. And there was like still like six minutes left in the game. And you're like looking at it and you're like, he's like two or three points away. Like, yeah, he, he, he might <laughs> smash past uh, where this record is. But we talk about how players respond to the poor performances or, or the off nights and how some nights – off nights are going to happen. You have somebody um, like Reese Beekman, who is a great defender in, in the Virginia matchup against RJ Davis. And RJ goes one for 14 in, in that win against UVA, his worst game ever from the field, probably in his entire basketball career. And this is how he bounces back. What do you think that part of his game says about him? Yeah, I just, I think that speaks to his maturation. Um, the only reason, and the reason why I say that is because First, first off, he he was still tied for the second leading score with both teams combined. I I I'm still just I, that's still crazy to me. Um, which is like it just shows how much of an impact he has on the game. Um, so I thought that was crazy. I just wanted to get that out there. But secondly, I just think it shows, like in the versus going against Virginia. Like coming off a ball screen, it's impossible to score. And we've seen RJ just cook up a lot of teams coming off a ball screen, getting downhill. If they fight over, he can get in. He has one of the best floaters in the country. Uh, he can score in the mid-range. He can even get to the basket at times, as we saw last night. He threw that nice little left-hand floater over North Chad O'Meara, uh going, going down the paint. Against Virginia, they come off in a hard hedge like Carolina used to do, which is our whole goal was to get the ball out of the guy's hand and make someone else make a play. And I thought that, you know, with RJ not forcing it, I thought that was great because it allowed everyone else to get involved. And he didn't force anything. And I know people see it as, oh, he had his worst performance. Yeah, but look at what he did. He got off the ball. He let the ball breathe and he let everyone else uh, have a chance to be able to playmate. And we saw some ridiculous passes from <laughs> Elliot Cadeau, which I wish Jalen Washington would have caught that one pass in the Virginia game. It would have been all over ESPN. But it allowed other people to to score. Now you come to this game against Miami, their ball, their ball, their uh ball screen defense is a lot different. Now RJ can do, you know, do what he does in being able to score the ball being able to come off, manipulate, pick and roll, score, you know, shoot it from the three, get to his floater or get to the rim. So it wasn't the fact that it was a bad performance. It was that was what was needed for that game 
against Virginia with the way that they play defense. And then now you go against a man-to-man that plays the ball, you know, ball screen, which, you know, in the drop, not necessarily hedging out. Now you see he can get into his bag a little bit. And, hey, maybe they should have hedged the ball screen because they got cooked up last night. (laughs) When you give up 42 points to an opponent, I just imagine you 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 just have to go back to the drawing board. Oh yeah. So, something something in your game plan just did not work that night. Yeah. Some something didn't work, but I, I at some point though, it's just like that that last move that he did on Matthew Cleveland, it's just like that's one of the butt taps, you know, you, he makes the shot, you tap his butt, say good shot, and you just got to sometimes man, some players just have it to where you just got to show respect. And just say, look, man, you 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 cooked us up tonight. Um, we got to give it to you, young fella, because that's in his interview. RJ said that this was by far his best accomplishment because of how hard it is in college to score forty-two points. Like yeah. it's really hard to do that. So it's just one of those games, man. You just got to give your respect. You got to put it behind you and move on. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I mentioned I was going to bring up the the National Player of the Year conversation, and that's before before I get to this next question, I'm going to put my hater hat back on and and make the cases for both R.J. Davis and, and Zach Eady. Okay. R.J. Davis, natural three level level score, knockdown shooter, great handles, great speed. Zach Eady, tall. That's that's all. I, that's all I have. Oh man, I I I I I agree. I think I think Zach Eady is just like so he's so different. The in like I mean he's playing like with the rim is like Fisher Price for him, and he's just so big. You know, I think, and I'm a little bit biased because I am smaller. I have had you know in the basketball world, not now, but in the basketball world, I had the so-called little man syndrome. Where you know I've always had to, you know, try to feel like I'm a little bit taller. Um, so I'm a little bit biased from that standpoint. But I do think that like what what RJ has been doing is something that like it, it's very impressive. It's it, it's in one of the best conferences in the country. Um, st- statistically, we've seen how many pros have came out of the ACC, how many first round picks year after year, um, and for him to do. Doing what he's doing right now is very, very impressive. You know, it's a smaller guard that has to find different ways to be able to score the ball over length, creative ways. Um, so I agree. You know, he's smaller. He's faster. He has he can score on all three levels. He's very crafty. And for me, Zach Eady is just like just catching the ball in the post. I'm 7'4". I'm just carving out space and I go in. Yeah, and I go and dunk. Like, I – I'm not taking away anything from what, you know, what he has done, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, you know, it's not anything hard. It's just catching the ball, going to the basket and dunking. So, yeah, I agree. 2024 is the year of manifestation. We already, we already (laughs) spoke RJ Davis winning ACC player of the year into existence. If you put RJ Davis's skill set in Zach Eady's body and Zach Eady's skill set in R.J. Davis's body, that's another point for R.J. Davis. Exactly. It is. It is. 
I, I, I agree, man. I, I think that I just I, I really think like what he's doing is just is is very impressive with the and, and like he's not like let's 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 remember he this isn't just like in the ACC play. He was doing this against UConn. Yep. He was doing this against Kentucky. He was doing this against Tennessee. Like this isn't just something that he's doing tonight. You know, or yep. uh, last night, this or in the ACC, this has been all season long. Yep, and that's something that Coach Davis hit on in his post game press conference, where he said, "quote It was great to see him play the way he did on the national scene tonight, but what he did, he's been doing all season." And yeah. that you you had mentioned Ellie Cadeau and just the reaction to seeing what R.J. Davis was doing out there on the court. And I thought one of the the best pitchers that the Carolina basketball team tweeted out was a pitcher after an RJ3. And you could see Ellie Cadeau's just kind of looking like just a fan in the crowd, just the shock of <laughs> heat check after heat check, RJ Davis, what he was doing. Yes, exactly. I'll put the, I'll put that picture in there. And, and that's something I feel like I've we've we've talked about at times, but something I've noticed with this team, whether it's Ellie Cadeau or Harrison Ingram, or the bench, it feels like these guys love to celebrate each other, and, and they really don't care who's getting the credit or, or who's getting the shine that night. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. Um, I sometimes uh, am a little hesitant to, to listen to all the outside noise um, from fans, because I know some fans can be very obnoxious. Um but what I've been hearing more than anything this year, obviously they've had a lot of success on the court. Um, but what I've heard from like, not even talent standpoint um, a lot was this team looks like they love playing with one another. And I'm pretty sure that it's the same with you. That's what you've been hearing. Um, and I've told people that I, I, I see the same thing. And I think loving who you are playing with take you know, is, is, is a very important piece of the equation. And this team, they do genuinely care about each other and they don't care who gets the credit. They don't care who is the leading score. They just want to win. And, and, and obviously that's a testament to having a mature team, um, having those mature guys. I mean, RJ fourth year, Harrison Ingram has many, has much, uh, a lot of experience. Cormac Ryan has a mortgage. Our Armando has a mortgage, maybe, maybe uh, some kids, um, you know, and it's just like these, it's older guys. So uh, this is what this is. That's what's most impressive to me. And that's what I like the most about this team is that they genuinely care about each other and they want each other to succeed and they just want to win. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Ellie Cadeau finished the night with, Six points, five assists, two turnovers. Uh, a lot of those assists, I'm assuming, were, were to R.J. Davis. There was <laughs> another thing I wanted to uh, mention about R.J. Davis on uh, from Hubert Davis's postgame comments where he was talking about what separates R.J. Davis from other guards in the ACC, where Coach Davis said, just a number of things. I mean, it's just on and off the court. When you're wanting to coach somebody, he's the example of what you want. And it's not just on the court. He gets it done in the classroom. He gets it done in the community. He's a great teammate. He's the hardest worker. We had shoot around this morning. He was the last guy in the gym getting up shots. 
from your experience being in that locker room as a former player, what does that mean to a team when your best player is the one who is getting there early and, and staying there late and being the guy that that sets an example for the rest of the team to kind of follow? Yeah, the first thing the first thing my mind goes to, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember it word by word, but um, Kobe Bryant talked about him getting in the gym early. And when he showed up on the court and he took some of the shots that he took, none of his teammates really could check, you know, check him. Um, And the reason why he said that is because his teammates saw him putting in the work. His teammates saw him showing up before everyone and being the last one to leave the court. His team, while his teammates were sleeping sometimes, or majority of the time, he was already in the gym in a full out sweat in his second workout. So what I'm getting at is that when you're when you're that type of player and you're showing up like that, where you're the you know, I even heard it on the broadcast, 6 a.m. getting up shooting, you know, even if, you know, he changed it on Monday because it was a, you know, a, a Saturday Monday game. So he moved it back a little bit, but I, he was still the first one in the gym. And then you talk about staying afterwards. Your teammates see that. Whether you want to believe it or not, they see it. So when he's out there shooting those shots, they can't say anything. Why? Because they they see he's in he's in there putting in the work. We can't say we can't say anything. And so that that's what comes to mind for me is that uh RJ has just been putting in the work. Um and I put a quote on Twitter today. And I just said, my dad always used to tell me, man, sometimes you just got to let the smoke clear. Sometimes you just got to put in the work and you got to wait for your opportunity. And RJ has been putting in the work. What it was, He was averaging, what, eight points his freshman year? Now he's averaging 21 points? Yep. That's putting in work, man. That's putting in work when no one's watching, when no one's uh, clapping for you. Um, he consistently did that over the course of his career and, and now it's coming into fruition. So um, that's what my mind goes to is, you know, obviously his teammates aren't checking him, but I'm just saying they, they see him putting in the work. So when he's putting up those shots, they're like, he, he, he's working on that. He can do that. <laughs> yeah. He is averaging 21.7 points per game this season the only player in the ACC averaging over 20 points per game. And this stat from Steve Kirshner, R.J. Davis scored 42 of UNC's 75 points against Miami. This was the first time a Tar Heel outscored the rest of the team since January 29, 1983, when Michael Jordan scored a career-high 39 of UNC's 72 points over Georgia Tech in Greensboro. The next leading scorer in this game against Miami for Carolina was Harrison Ingram with eight. And I want to talk about all the positives from this game before we talk about the negatives and Carolina almost inexplicably blowing this game. But Harrison Ingram's offense, it's been a bit up and down um, over the past month or so. But he makes a couple of winning plays every game off effort alone. There, There was one play where I remember Miami had uh, a skip pass for a three when when they're trying to close the gap. Ingram gets a hand to it, gets an easy fast break layup. Yep. One of the missed free throws, Harrison Ingram's the one who who tips it back and, and keeps the possession for North Carolina. 
Yeah. How valuable is it what he brings to the team beyond just the numbers that he's putting up in the box score? It, it's so it's so valuable. And I know like you want a player to stay consistent throughout the year because you want to be able to understand going into into each game what each guy is going to do. You know, it's hard to really game plan when you have a guy that's, uh, you know, could give you 35 one game, but also could give you, you know, eight, uh, not 35 a game. That's that's a lot. But 15, you know, 15 a game, but it got, then he's down at two. You know, it's just a wide margin. So it's just really hard to kind of tell what's going on. But with Harrison, when you look at his points, you really can't. That doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, just because of his uh, what he can do throughout the whole stat sheet, you know, you look at it. He has eight points, but he's also he he also got ten rebounds. You know, he also has two assists. I know that's not a lot, but it's still it's still something. You know, he's he's impacting the game in other ways. So I think that you know when you look at a guy like him, he's really my Draymond Green of Carolina. Um, he does all the things that um, that you want a player to do in his position, rebound. He will score the ball, but every game presents something a little bit different. Um, but he also shows up in big-time moments. Whenever, whenever there needs to be a stop, you know, momentum was swinging to Miami's way. Like you said, he gets a stop, go down, goes down and get a, gets a layup on a ball that could have went out of bounds. He just kept pursuing it. Um, I just think he's one of those type of players where – you can't just focus on his on his scoring. You know, I know he went three for 13, but you can't just focus on that. He does a lot more things that sometimes don't they don't show up on the stat sheet. Yeah, you can't game plan against his effort and, and that play uh, yeah. that we were both talking about. It felt like Miami kind of gave up on it. And Harrison Ingram was like, no, I, I, can, I have the, the speed <laughs> to chase this down and I'm going to steal a basket here. But a quick break so I can remind everybody about our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, you can visit them on Franklin Street. If not, no worries. You could go to johnnytshirt.com. They have all the Carolina apparel that a Carolina fan could possibly want. The hats, the jerseys, the T-shirts, you name it. They will have it. Great people, great customer service. They're always running great sales. And I just went on their website today, and I see that they are currently having a leap day sale where you could celebrate February 29th with 29% off on 29 UNC items through March 1st. Um, so yeah, Johnny t-shirt, great people, great customer service. And don't forget inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. First part of the podcast, we talked about the positives. We, we have to talk about the negatives in this game. Carolina, is up 13 with 419 left. I made a mark of that. The late game collapses have been a, a staple for this team, just as RJ Davis has been great for this team. It, it feels like it, it's something that you can count on almost every game where this team gets into a lull and the other team gets back in. Up 13, 419 left. You blink, Miami has the ball with 58 seconds left down two. <laughs> How did it happen, and, and and why does it keep happening to this North Carolina team? Yeah, man, it's just it's one of those things where it's like they they almost they get kind of comfortable with the lead, and then uh, you know they they try to make the home run plays, and you don't realize like 
sometimes all it takes is one turnover. And I, I kid you not, every time I see a turnover, not not all the time, but it's like it, it's 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 up there. Every time I see a turnover or a bonehead mistake, it always leads to a basket. Always. Yeah. And it just compounds sometimes. And I think for Carolina, they they sometimes just get comfortable in um, like a lot of those passes, throwing the ball into Armando, trying to throw it over the top. And Miami just got a steal and they were able to get out on the break and make some baskets. Um, and then they were able to, you know, from the three point line, that's what really kept them in the game. They, they made 14 yep. threes. So when you talk about being able to stay in the game, hitting threes is what you want. But I look at, I look at the points off turnovers. There were 21 points off of turnovers. So, you know, you can't, you can't, you just can't have that. You don't want to give up 21 points to any team, um, let alone, you know, a team that's, they were down. But the reason why they were stay, able to stay in the game is because of the bonehead mistakes that they were making with trying to throw the ball over the top. Um, and they did that multiple times. And, you know, you would, you would think they would learn, but um, they just kept throwing those passes. So, now you look at the stat sheet, that's what stands out to me as those points off turnovers. Yeah, not only was Miami down trying to play from behind, they were down two starters. They they don't yeah. have uh, Wuga Poplar and they don't have Nigel Pack. And I think a lot of Carolina fans went into that game expecting Carolina to run the score up. I know inside Carolina's Greg Barnes mentioned it as a, a great opportunity for North Carolina to kind of game the metric system and, and really blow Miami out similar to the way Duke did when Duke went down to Coral Gables and Miami was down a couple of starters, but obviously that doesn't happen with Carolina only winning by four and, and it wound up, it wound up not costing them, but Carolina shooting 12 of 21 from the free throw line uh, at home too, inexcusable, how, how do you kind of address that situation? Because it it really hasn't felt like that's been a, a weakness for this North Carolina team this season, but it, it got to the point where in, in that those late game moments, it felt like the players were almost expecting to miss when they were when they were stepping up to the line and having the chance to kind of put the game away. Yeah, these are the things that you have to clean up as you're getting ready to go into the ACC tournament. Um, and, uh, yeah, you got to have some of those points from the free throw line. You talk about, you know, that's nine points that you're missing at the free throw line. And you're talking about the most efficient shot that you can get. So you want to be able to capitalize on those. But I look at those things as just, you know, mental mistakes. That's that's not being focused in the moment. Um, that's taking those opportunities that you have right there for granted. Um, and the last thing you want to do is get to this point where you're comfortable and then you give this team confidence and now they're, they're staying in the game. And that's what Miami did. They Carolina went up, they got comfortable. Then here comes Miami again. So, you know, as you're going into the tournament, you have to realize like every play now is very important. Every possession is very important. And this is what coaches are trying to get guys to understand. Doesn't matter what point you are, what point you are at in the game. You have to keep playing because at the end of the day, yes, they're down two of their best players, but they're still in the ACC. They still compete. They still have quality players that can get it done. And they had a lot of players on the court yesterday that were just players who 
they were out there, they were hustling, you know, and sometimes hustle, hustle comes, you know, you get a lot of luck with that. Um, so I just think this is a case of going back and looking at film and seeing those little mistakes where, you know, where they were beating themselves. And then you try to capitalize or you try to learn and grow from that. Um, so I don't think, you know, I think Coach Davis mentioned it. He was like, this is the best, this is the best case scenario for a coach where you the you win the game and but you have a lot of you have a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And now we can go back to the drawing board. We we won the game, but we can go to the drawing board and now we can come at, come to it with a different perspective rather than a losing perspective. We can come with it and see it with clear eyes and be able to see where those mistakes were. Before we wrap up, a big shout out to our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. Congruity is empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. And they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity, they are obsessed with customer service where they become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn all about Congruity, fill a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels, congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels. All right, back to the episode. Carolina now holds a, a one-game lead in the ACC standing, sitting at 14-3 and three in conference play. Next closest is Duke, a game back at 12-4 and four after Duke loses at Wake Forest. We're in the home stretch of, of the schedule. Only three regular season games left for Carolina. Carolina will be back in action March 2nd, 4 p.m. tip in Chapel Hill against NC State on ESPN. Joel, appreciate the time as always and appreciate everybody watching and listening. Yes, sir.